You're listening to Cosmic Tonic. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, let me say that again. <clears throat> Cosmic Tonic. Hello. Thanks for tuning in to the Cosmic Tonic podcast. In this episode, we speak with astrologer, New York Times bestselling author, president, and co-founder of the Chaney app, Chaney Nicholas. If you like what we do, please leave us a five-star rating, write a review, or share the podcast with your friends. We appreciate it. And there's a couple different ways you can listen to us. One way is on your favorite podcast app or by subscribing to us on YouTube. As you know, we are committed to bringing you the best content related to astrology and the occult. We are fully funded by listener support. So please donate to our podcast by visiting the link at the bottom of our homepage, or you can book a reading with us by visiting the links at the top of our homepage at cosmictonic.com. For those of you who've donated or booked readings, thank you so much. It really helps us keep this podcast going. Thanks again for being here, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hello. Uh, We are so excited to have Chani Nicholas with us today. Welcome, Chani. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So Chani, you need no introduction, but I am going to embarrass you with an introduction (laughs) because that's what I'm here for. Um, (laughs) So Chani is, well, you've been a consulting astrologer for over 20 years. Mm you have amassed legions and legions of, of fans and readers and now listeners and subscribers. You are the best-selling author of You're Born for This and, of course, the president and co-founder of the Chani app, which is how our paths have crossed. Um, so, yes, welcome again. And would you, would you add anything to that bio? Would you correct anything? <laughs> I would say that... Uh... I am the president of the Eliza Robertson fan club. <laughs> You're not the only one who will be embarrassed on this <laughs> podcast, Eliza. Or I am not the only one who will be embarrassed. Um, uh, I yes. am. Do you want to say how we know each other a little bit more in depth? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, I work, I work for the Chani app. <laughs> I am the director of content at the Chani app. And um, yeah, you, you hired me. <laughs> Eliza is uh, an answer to our prayers. Uh, uh, Astro mage, writer, witch of words, extraordinaire. And literally, like, I feel like saved my life makes the app what it is, has just an incredible, I mean, Eliza, your ability to burn through pages and ideas and just like volumes of content is uh, not only a saving grace, but it's a marvel. Um, We tend to make fun of Eliza quite a bit for her speedy extra fireness every day, all the time but also at the same time, praise it wildly. And um, just, we just wouldn't be where we are without you. Well, I am, I am thoroughly embarrassed and also touched. Okay. And that was, you completely spun the table around. So I, <laughs> I feel a little bewildered, but I'm going to get through it. <laughs> um, you're very generous. Thank you, Shani. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, well, I, I'm going to ask you a question <laughs> to Go get started it. talking about you <laughs> and not about we'll me. See, we'll see how long that lasts. Okay. <laughs> um, so you've probably answered some version of this question maybe a thousand times, but I'm going to ask it to you in three parts and maybe that will change your answer <laughs> just to overcomplicate things. <laughs> so the first part is how did astrology find you? And then the second part is how did it how did you find astrology? And then the third part is, are those the same moments? And if not, maybe you can explain. And if they are the same moment, then that will simplify things. 
Well, I mean, I have told these stories before, but the very, very, very first time I came into contact with astrology, I was about eight years old and I was in the middle of nowhere in British Columbia, up a dirt road in a shack with some, with one of my caregivers and some lady. And they were doing their business, which I had no business being a part of. But in the midst of it all, this woman pulls out a book and like opens it up and asks my mom what my birthday is. And my mom tells her and she scans the ephemeris, what I know now as an ephemeris. And she looks down at it and she looks up at me and she says, you're very judgmental. And I thought, yes, yes, I am. I didn't really know what it meant, but I was like, I like the sound of it. It feels hefty. And I feel like I'm the only person in this room that has any kind of judgment at this moment, even though I didn't quite know what it meant. So from a very young age, I was like, okay, read me. Obviously I have a sun Saturn situation. Um, And then at 12, I had my very first full reading. And that reading was very in-depth and it involved, uh, I was in like my one, two, three, four, fifth family configuration at 12 and my father's, or fourth, fourth, fifth. Anyways, my father's third wife's mother was a Reiki master and she thought it was a good idea for us to get a group astrology reading. And so that astrologer started reading our charts and like, you know, it was like we were doing um, five readings, right? She was sitting down and reading all five of us. And so I remember my stepbrother and sister like going out and playing and like not paying attention, but I was riveted and I just wanted to understand what was going on because it felt so resonant for me. And she had written a book and my dad bought it for me. And so that was the first astrology book. So I feel like those, you know, I didn't really understand what was going on the first time, but by the second time I was like, aha, I've got you. (laughs) And I walked away with a text that I had. And then that, uh, my stepmom's mom had like this amazing library of astrology books at her house, like a lot of stuff that's like gone out of print and, you know, it was before the internet. So I had some resources and then I, she ended up taking me to my first ever astrology class at like, I was like 20 years old, but again, the, that's when we had to like, we like people didn't have like all the computer programs, like everyone had a PC, but like you had to like send away for an astrology chart and it took two weeks to get it. So you'd be like waiting to see like what the person's rising sign was. Um, yeah. I don't know if I said it any differently than I usually do, but no, that was, that was beautiful. I, I love the image of like the finger going down the ephemeris. (laughs) (laughs) Aha. Landing on my feet. (laughs) And I can't, uh, wow. I can you imagine if everyone's astrology chart came two weeks later in the mail? I, I mean, you, you can imagine because you remember it, but I went a different pace of doing this work. And I I have to say, I mean, like I was, I'm, I'm just a disaster at math. So I couldn't like trying to rectify a chart was just like, I, it, it drove me to tears and, and worse quite a few times. So I, I couldn't, I never got there. Although I'm sure you know how to do it, Eliza. Oh, you're doing it again. <laughs> you, do, don't table. You? you can you could probably drop a chart. Have you both seen her do that? I in all honesty, I it was part of our studies at my first astrology school mm-hmm. in London, but I could mm-hmm. I can't I don't remember it for the life of me. I'd have to review papers. Yeah. But I, I did learn how and it was fun because you embody in a different way because you're, yeah. you're, you know, physically drawing it. Math also not my strong suit. <laughs> yeah. I remember doing like, um, what do you call it? Correspondence course. And we were, I was like plowing through the material, like 20, 21. And the instructor was like, Oh my God, you're so good at this. And we we're talking about, you know, every week we'd like go back and forth. And then I got to the 
drawing up your astrology chart and I just stopped completely. <laughs> it brought me back to being like seven years old in math class. Maybe one day we'll, you'll walk me through it. Walk, walk us go through it. I'll yeah. to walk myself through it again too. <laughs> um, okay, no, thank you so much for that background. I'm also really curious about your introduction to traditional astrology and not, you know, you can, you can share if you like about how that came into your life, but I'm also, I'm just curious to know, like, what was it about traditional astrology that made things click for you in a different yeah. way? I mean, it was Demetra, Demetra George. Um, so I was like, you know, I had started studying astrology when I was really young. And then I did readings for a while and I found it very overwhelming in my early twenties. And so I would put it away and then someone would want a reading and then I'd pick it back up. And then in my thirties, again, it started to be like, uh, really strong. And I was like, okay, I need, I need another round of training, et cetera. And I missed the Kepler, you know, days and I didn't, I didn't get in on all that. So I, I was like, I mean, I've known, I'd known about Demetra like most of my life. And I remember reaching out to her and being like, Hey, do you take students on? And this is at the point where I think she was just starting to take private students on again. And she was like, yeah, it'll be this much money and this kind of thing. And I was like, okay, I've got to save up for that. And then I, it was like, really, uh, I took my time kind of getting back to it and I was going through all these different schools and I was looking around at all my options, which were a lot, but I can't remember what got me to eventually circle back around and be like, okay, I'm going to do this with you. And then I remember my first lesson with her. She of course looked at my chart and you know, I have Asclepius on my son, the asteroid Asclepius on my son. So she was like, look, I'm sure you're super intuitive and I'm sure that that's has served you really well, but I'm going to get you to put all of that aside and we're just going to learn the rules. And I loved that. <laughs> I was like, this is what I need. This is what I want because well, intuition is great. It's like, I do really want that thorough context, rules, form, structure. That's where I feel really safe. Um, could be my astrology. It could be the fact that I'm Gen X. Um, I read something somewhere where Gen X people want you to email them back right away so that they know like if you're responsible and reliable or if they're going to have to do this on their own. Um, so I felt really held and really safe immediately, obviously with Demetra, but also with the tradition. And, you know, it was one of those things like I started studying with Demetra and I met my wife at the same time. And so it was like this confluence of events where everything just started to take shape and was one of those moments in my life that was unmistakably transformative. And I felt like all of a sudden I had a toolkit that I could pull out anytime, anywhere. And all of a sudden, all the stuff that was kind of made sense or was really ephemeral would work sometimes wouldn't work other times all of a sudden it landed and you know god bless Demetra, like painstakingly going through things one person at a time like obviously she's always taught courses but at that point she was still taking on students <laughs> like doing it with me and then doing it with like six other people that day and like i don't even know how or why, but I'm so grateful to her for doing that with me for years. Um, so that's why it was, you know, it's, it's a lot how she describes it and how other people describe it. It just, it kind of like takes hold of you and it organized everything. And then I could know where to go for the tool that I needed. Whereas before I just felt like it was, it was too reliant on me being able to get something probably intuitively right without being able to rely on a system. And then I think the intuition can come in because the system's there and the, the groundedness is already in place. Yeah. And I'm so curious too, as all these tools were coalescing, you know, it's like, it feels like this huge gathering was happening, not only 
in your early history of understanding yourself or coming to understand yourself, I'm wondering, did you start formulating this relationship of how to apply the astrology? Did it start not only with the tools, but did it become something that you thought could be a tool for healing or social change or emotional growth? I'm just wondering if that was kind of happening behind the scenes for you as well to fast forward us to now we have this amazing app. I was already writing horoscopes at that point. So it was already, it was a couple years into that stuff kind of picking up and doing its thing. And because, I mean, I don't think I ever did anything that didn't feel like it was potentially healing because that's just my upbringing. I did that. uh, My step-grandmother did, you know, I studied Reiki with her from the age of 14 to the age of 29. So that type of like healing was always central to what felt meaningful or like worth doing for me. I I think I always felt like I had to, that that had to be part of the process of it. So the writing of astrology started, was also like one of those kind of activation points. It was a little earlier than, than my meeting with Demetra, but it was all kind of part of leading up there, leading up to that point. Well, the app has such a beautiful way of synthesizing um, healing and making things like meditation and astrology so accessible and cohesive. Um, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about your creative process and how you come up with these ideas to make the app what it is. Gosh, um, uh, like in the beginning or week to week? Well, both. Um, and, and I, and I see it in the book too. It's the way you present this really digestible formula for astrology. When I was, I, I actually listened to the book, um, and it just felt like, wow, it's, it's so creative and so artistic yet it feels just really easy to understand the material, Um, And I also see that with the app, with the meditations and um, the horoscopes and everything. And it's like, you're taking these different modalities and the way you're layering them together, that, that is just, it's an art and it's, it's so creative the way it's done. Um, So yeah, week to week or just the idea for the app in the beginning. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have to say like, my Aquarius wife with very heavy third and ninth house placements is much like Eliza, like a teacher, right? So she's like, she's always been able to be like, okay, you've got these big ideas, but we have to break it all down so that people understand it. And she's very systematic about how she does that always and all the time. So she's the one who organized the information in the book. And she's the one who like her, she's always the layout, like, this is how we have to do it. And I've learned so much from her so that um, now I know when we're about to like do something that it's, I can start to, she's taught me how to go back and think of it as an outsider. And we talk a lot about this in the company, but you know, we're, we are inside of a world and our job is to open that world up and invite people in instead of making them feel like that's really far from them. And so, you know, Sonia has been the person who's taught me how to bring people in and how to break things down and how to make them inviting and how to make them accessible for lack of a kind of better word. But so I think we like, we take that strategy and put it everywhere. And the, the ways in which like the app is laid out is really just the ways in which the workshops before the app were laid out. Like every lunar cycle, I would put out a new moon workshop and I would do a reading for the you know month's astrology. And I would do reflection questions for people to use at the new and full moon. And then I would always do 
a guided meditation. And that, I don't know that, I don't know where that came from. It was just like, that's what we should do. And, you know, I look back at Demetra's work. She always had uh, writing prompts or reflection questions because she's such an incredible teacher in that way too. So I probably picked it up from her in some way and probably other teachers. And then the guided meditations, I've, you know, I was a yoga teacher for so long and that was really one of my favorite pieces was helping people to move into like a meditative space. Um, so that will always just felt like something that I wanted to offer um, because it was so helpful for me probably. And then the rest of it is like, it's really a collaboration, you know, like we've got just such an incredible team. And I think like the first year of us doing it, we were just like, okay, let's just do this thing and like try to get it done week to week. And now, I don't know, Leslie, you can tell me if you think this is true. I feel like we're at the point where we're like, okay, we've got a certain amount of a track record under, we've, we've done a full cycle and then some, now we can start to think uh, with a little bit more perspective because we've got to handle nothing on everything um, on the, on some of the weekly stuff, like the flow of it, right? Like everybody's like a little bit more anchored um, in their, in their work so that we can start to think more broadly. Would you say that's true, Eliza, that we were at that point? Definitely. I woke up this morning thinking, entirely of all that we have to do over the next year, but not necessarily on a two-week basis. That's a different right. conversation. <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I want to go back to maybe this is a blend of what you, some of what you were saying and also Kestrel's question and Jasmine's question. I, you know, I feel like your writing I mean, your writing has really been like a beacon for so many people. People have just flocked to your words. And I know that there are other people whose blogs have become popular, but I do feel like your your words and your writing, like it's become this, it almost has a mind of its own. I mean, it's your mind, but it, I do feel like you're channeling something and it's something that is so profoundly resonant with so many people. And um, it just makes me think of two things. It makes me think of writing as ritual and also mm. makes me think of writing as service. And I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about your own relationship with writing, with your words, and maybe with writing as ritual or service, if that is a way mm. that you perceive it. Yeah. I mean, recently I've started doing morning pages again. I did them a long time ago, but I, I reluctantly do them as much as I can every morning um, in my ritual. But I think like every, I think I'm sure every other writer in history, it's like, it is, it is a compulsion. Like it is a, it is a obeying something else. I don't think it is my mind or anything like that. I just think it is, a, it is the, the thing that was like, do this. And so I, I did that and I feel like without it, without having that part of my self be expressed, it wouldn't be good. Like <laughs> It would backfire. And I think I would be a lot more cantankerous than I already am or difficult or challenging or what have you. But it's a place for me to vent all of that. You know, like I, I was I wanted to be an actor for a long time. But really my original like yearning was to be a singer and so it's, it's like all, you know, all creatives, like we have all of this stuff inside and it's not appropriate to just walk into the living room and let it all out. So you've got to find a way to channel it in a place where it will be appreciated. And so the more honest you can be about all of that pent up energy or about the feelings that you have, the more kind of like in the gutter you can get with yourself, I think the more it connects with other people and the places that they're in and also helps you to have the opposite experience as well. So it's just always been a part of my healing and a part of, I think just like 
processing the 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 the, the hell that is being human sometimes and then discovering that people would receive that in some way that would, would that would be helpful to them was like so shocking to it's still shocking to me it's a strange because you know when you're writing you're so in it you're just like with yourself and so to to know that there's a specific thing about how that work comes through you, I think is, is something that's, it's such a mystery to me because there's, it's, I don't know. It's like, there's, I, I think it's so wild how we're all made up in these very specific ways. And the way something comes through us has its own like tone and resonance and tenor. And it's not something like no one can be you, which is why astrology is so great, which is why, you know, our creative expression is so important because that's the deal, you know, like a million people have done what you've done, what you do before, during, after, it's just not about the, that thing. It's about how much you can get, be in contact with yourself as that process is happening. So I don't know if I answered your question. You did beautifully. Yeah. Kestrel, I, you, I saw you unmuted and I think I know where you're going. So go there. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm going to go there just because, well, it's emotional because I haven't been familiar with your work as long as Eliza, for example. But when I did start tapping into it, it was having a really emotional response for me. And I've also um, just been so struck how you recently, you did an article that you released around the holiday, bringing in the Venus retrograde and just how you wove in these concepts of internal family systems, because I'm a psychotherapist. And so Mm -hmm. I'm in this dialogue coming from the, the therapeutic realm or being a therapist, wondering how to integrate the astrology, but I don't even know if this is you're fully aware of this or how it's coming into you, but I see you using the astrology and then also beautifully dovetailing all these evidence-based practices and in specific, the internal family systems. And it really is, I know how it's helping people because I have clients that I share your work with and I share it with other therapists. And I'm just wondering where that percolation is coming from. Um, And if you're seeing a trend of astrologers um, blending the therapy and the astrology, because it just really feels like, yeah, an amazing act for for social change or um, people actually getting to do more healing work. And and it's even showing up in your meditations as well. yeah, exactly I mean, what I, the question is. But. Well, I can say that I was with, you know, I, I Jessica Dore had sent me her book. Um, she has a book called Tarot for Change. And she is an incredible writer. And also, I believe, got her master's in social work and was an editor at a major publishing house that where she edited books on psychology and psychotherapy and et cetera. So she does this amazing job of weaving in the tarot and different, as you say, evidence-based practices, healing practices. And so it was in the depths of despair of Venus retrograde that I was working with her book and, you know, do in my practice every morning, just like reading, because I felt like she was giving me access to different therapies that maybe I didn't have names for. And so it was through that, then I did, you know, then I was, then I was investigating internal family systems and Richard Schwartz and his work. And it just really helped me through that time. But I am like every writer, which is that I am just constantly searching for that thing. Like where is, how do I get in the underground stream that connects all the things together Like I'm always gleaning my life and my circumstances for the thing to talk about in readings and whatever. Like I'm, I'm in that place where I'm always trying to like excavate what's happening for me and then what's showing up as a result. And so how are things correlated? But, you know, 
myth is, what's that famous saying that there's a famous, there, it's, maybe it's a Greek saying that uh, myth is, it's not about if the story is true, a myth is something that happens all the time. And so we have these, like it's not about it being factually correct, it's that this thing, this story is always going on. And we have this beautiful mythic tradition, not that I think you should always, we should always conflate different myths with planets, but that just in the embodiment of their cycles, just to watch them visually, just to like know what they're up to is its own story that is always unfolding. And so um, having access to like that Inanna myth is so mm-hmm. an internal family systems meditation. I was like, oh my God, they're so <laughs> parallel. And I, I love that myth so much. And I love Diane Wilkenstein's, uh, you know, translation of it. And it's been so healing for me. And I think it's so, it's such a, a needed and necessary tale because it does that for us. And I'm, and to know that was written thousands of years ago, this is just a human condition. There's nothing wrong with us. There's nothing here to fix. It's just a cycle to go through. So how do we go through that cycle with some amount of compassion for ourselves or maybe even a little grace? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it seems like it also helps us land ourselves where we are in that cycle sometimes. And I yeah. thought you did such a beautiful job of weaving in compassion for the exiles or outcast mm-hmm. parts, or even those golden parts of ourselves that we know want to be expressed, but have somehow been confused or oppressed or shunned. And mm-hmm. so I just applaud you. I think it really, that particular article and using the myth coupled in with the parts work um, mm-hmm. really invites all of us to welcome all of ourselves and to thoroughly know all of our parts, which you were doing in that article. And then it just seems like it lends itself to how we use the chart as well. Yeah. So and I, so I will cool. say, I think I will, I have to give credit to, you know, that my, the, my stepmom's mom, Anita, because the Reiki that I did with her for 15 years was exactly that. Like I, I, I didn't know about internal family systems back then, but we would get on the table and it wasn't just like a nice relaxing, like little energy session. It was like, people were doing like past lives work and people were doing, remembering things from their child. Like, and so from the age of 14 into, you know, my Saturn return, I was just like sitting and witnessing people integrating back in, remembering, acknowledging, moving the energy through, but also integrating those parts of themselves back in. And that was her work. It is her work. And it is, it was, you know, way before the book, the body keeps the score. When that book came out, I was like, yeah, (laughs) how do we, how are we just having, like, this is a, of course. (laughs) So that, that was my training. So I just, I was, I'm, I'm incredibly fortunate to have had always these, these, these teachers, you know, with me and introducing me to that kind of thing and helping me to like be there and in myself. Yeah. And share it in your own unique way. It's really been beautiful to witness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's actually a great segue that word (laughs) witness, because that's, I do feel like that, first of all, that was one of, for me, one of the most striking parts of that essay. I, I, I love those that translation specifically of the Anana poems, but I never thought about when the, um, I don't remember what they are, the creatures, when they're- The, echoing, the me. Yes. Are they yeah. the me? Yeah. Yeah, the me, yeah. When they echo back to Reshkagal, like, oh, my insides, or oh, oh, my outsides. <laughs> I never, I never um, grokked that as, of course, they're, you know, she needed to hear her pain echoed back to her. And don't we all, I mean, that's why we, that's why we form bonds with people. That's why we seek out healers and therapists and, and teachers. Even I think teachers are in a different way of witnessing it. That's a more complicated statement, but I think you could make an argument 
Um, but the astrology chart is nothing I feel, if not a witness in some way, it's a mirror. And I'm wondering, maybe this is a moment where we could talk about that a little more, Chani, like how you've observed astrology charts to be witnesses, you know, maybe in your own life or with clients or just in general, like how, how do we use this chart? If, if someone is new, let's say someone listens to this podcast and subscribes to the Chani app, which they do, <laughs> or which they should, how can they, um, you know, look at that, that window or that mirror and like enter that act of witnessing or feeling witnessed? Yeah, you know, I think I think the other interesting part of that whole the the witnessing is that when we don't feel witnessed, when that part of us doesn't feel witnessed, it generally will start to destroy something so that it gets attention. And so that is usually the point at which people start to seek out something like astrology because they don't want to destroy themselves that some other part of them wants to live. And so what else is out there that could mirror me and could tell me, give me context to my pain and gifts and all of the things. So, you know, the astrology our chart is this, is this prismatic labyrinth that will reflect to us where we are in that moment, but also our gifts and potentials, but an astrologer or any, a book, an app, whatever can tell you until it, they are blue in the face that you have this thing, but until you come to meet that thing halfway, it really does remain a mystery. So the chart will describe these conditions that you come in with these gifts, these these ways in which you're meant to live out your life, but it is on you to meet it there, to meet it at the door and say, okay, what is this? And how do I develop this? And as we engage with it, if it's a tool that speaks to us, we get to use all of the things in it in a myriad of ways that we might meet our chart and read into it, our fears and be confirmed that we're doomed in fact, or, or whatever the thing is. I think that's why there's so much fear around it, but that it's n- never about that, that like any relationship as we come to it with greater vulnerability, it then reveals more to us about what its actual true nature and potential is. And then at every stage in our life, we, we get to have a different relationship with, with it or with ourselves, but it's, all of that potential is held on the chart. So it really is about, it's a mirror. It is a witness to us and it's about the gaze with with which we bring to it. And if we can sit in meditation with it long enough, we'll start to see different things and we'll start to witness different things about ourselves. We'll start to pick up the tools that we've got and use them in different ways but it, it, it takes that investment. And I think that, you know, with our modern world being so quick and we can swipe through a million things, it's like we can swipe through all the content until we find the description of our Mars or Venus or whatever that we think resonates with us. And that's great. And it can be a good entry point. And then the invitation is to then learn about it and really work with it and see what you feel your relationship with it is because there's there's true there's like a uh this thing is this thing but your relationship with it is what changes it so it's not I don't become a different I'm a human I don't become a goat (laughs) Mars is Mars it doesn't become Jupiter but once you really get to know what that thing can do and how you can work with it, it's a whole different witnessing of yourself. So I guess my invitation is to never get stuck in one version of yourself, never get stuck in one understanding of your chart. Yeah. It sounds like it invites a dialogue, a curiosity, a conversation. Yeah. 
you know, the wisdom that it can offer us if we really sit with that care. I know I'm repeating myself, but that curiosity mm-hmm. of how it wants to converse with us. And I think as astrologers or healers, you know, having a sense of how the chart works can be really helpful then to shine the light in an area. Maybe there is a blind spot or mm-hmm. a part of the chart or a part of the person that's been ignored that so wants to be, again, there's that word witnessed and yeah. invited to share with us its truths, its secrets, its potentialities, its shadows, etc. And yeah. Yeah. What changes Mm -hmm. Yeah, in the expression of that planet and that sign and that house and that configuration when you are fully in acceptance of it. Yeah. That it's welcome. I'm bringing in that parts work again. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah. A debilitated planet. You're like, Oh no, see, (laughs) that's why it's so hard. And it can describe what is hard. And then once that is accepted and acknowledged and brought to awareness, then what? Right. Then you're in relationship with it. So then you have a responsibility to be awake within that and say, well, this isn't working at me. I'm with it. And what else is possible? Mm -hmm. Which then it seems like it, the next springboard may be how can that contribute to our greater desire for social change? And, yeah, you know, that's where it seems like it's launching into. And it seems like yeah. that's also what you're doing. Yeah, for me, that's where it's really interesting. I had this really fascinating conversation the other day about the state of the world and hope. And I was saying that I don't really care about hope it's great if you have it I think if it's there amazing but I think hope much like Elizabeth Gilbert talks about inspiration is just a fleeting thing it will come and it will also go and so I think what we need to do is understand how things work and how to use them in a systematic way that is mindful and as a practice and that no matter if I feel hopeful or inspired or not I am going to get up and I'm going to do this practice because it works I am going to go towards this kind of system because it holds people accountable while giving them the resources that they need to live a meaningful life without having to fight for the basics like if we can set up that if 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 I feel resourced enough, then I'm going to be able to be engaged in that kind of process. And so I think that if people are in touch with the meaning that that their chart holds, then they might be in touch with some sort of like life purpose that their chart is aiming towards. And that if that is true, that I, I believe in that system. Like I see how the chart reflects the life and helps one engage in their life purpose in a deeper way. And if that happens, I think that it's much easier to move towards building something, building a world that has sustainable, just systems so that we are more likely to be kinder and to be you know, able to, to, to live on a planet instead of just purely destroying it because that destructive impulse is so prevalent. And it's, I feel us in the despair and in the tragedy of what the world is now, but what it's always been. I just feel us sometimes gunning towards that, just like hurtling ourselves towards more destruction because that's the thing we know. And instead, I think we should, instead, I think it's, it's harder to hold ourselves back from, from just going to like, well, it's all over anyways. And to stay like in this moment and keep asking ourselves, what do I have? Where is my power? Where is my agency? What can I do right now? The future is really none of my business. So if I have these resources, if I have these talents, if I have this agency, if I have this power, in this moment, it's my responsibility to 
be engaged with it and and enact it in some way in the world. Anyways, that's my long-winded way of saying, I think the chart holds that potential (laughs) and that the more we're engaged with it, the more I feel like what happens with people is we start to wake up and be like, oh, I am in relationship with something. Oh, this chart is speaking to me or, oh, this transit spoke to me or, oh, this thing is mirroring me. I'm not alone here. Maybe it's not all hopeless. Maybe I can do something. And then I do believe that the chart holds some of that instruction. Yeah. And the more resource we find ourselves with the chart, it brings those things online that you're talking about, the compassion, the courageousness, the the clarity, all those things that propel us forward in a way that is more inclusive, more interdisciplinary, more zestful, more, yeah, all those more in relationship with the world around us. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It is cool. I was just going to say that, yeah, hope is just one of those words that doesn't really have much definition until you give it context. You know, and I've, I've heard people say that before. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't use the word hope or I don't believe in hope. And it, it does make so much sense unless you can define it for yourself mm-hmm. um, and develop a relationship for what it actually means for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> well, I think there's a, a parallel to you to be drawn between what, what you've just said and what you said earlier, Chani, with, you know, Demetra said to you that, okay, you're clearly intuitive, but you need to learn the rules. You need to learn the structure and the systems. And you're saying now, like, yeah, you can have hope, but you, <laughs> but you need to have the, the foundations and the structure and the system to fall back on when, when hope isn't with you at a certain moment. So it, it feels like we're courting Saturn a little bit with this. I was just going to say, that. I was like, you can't get more Saturnian than that. <laughs> you did invite me on your podcast. <laughs> every, every time you've said the word system, I'm like, Saturn. I have yeah. Saturn on the ascendant. So yeah. <laughs> I'm Saturn, Mercury, Sun. Yeah. Yeah. What can we, what can we do repeatedly that, that always brings about a meaningful result. It might not be the result that you want or hoped for, but that it, it, it works. What, what actually works? Like, I know that if I go through my morning ritual, it it's better than if I don't, <laughs> like it's, I'm going to be in a better place. I might not be whatever on top of the world or what have you. I might go back to bed, but it will have brought me through an arc and experience and will have sorted me out to some degree. And I'll be better for having done it. So how, what else, you know, like how else can we do that in the mm-hmm. world? And I think, you know, having the app, having the business has been such an incredible experiment in that. And again, you know, my wife is the one who, Sonia is the one who, you know, knows how to set it up and how to, she built free from her nonprofit first. And we basically just took that template and put it on the business. And it's been such an amazing experiment, really. It's been such an amazing thing to, to really create and see what can happen when, when we really stick to our principles and we don't veer from them and that they are first, that the practice of being in relationship with one another is first. And then the work comes out of that place instead of trying to you know, put the work out and then scramble on the inside to, to, to make it happen. Yeah. It seems like there's something so alchemical happening behind the scenes. And I know Eliza loves working for the app, but also others that we've had on the podcast too. I just noticed that there's this just almost like a, a a spark a spark in everyone's eye that works for the app that's so special and um I can see um these beautiful friendships as well that have also developed uh from from everyone working together and it's it's really it's really beautiful to watch from the outside mm. yeah 
Yeah, I really feel, I don't know, Eliza, if you feel this, but I really feel, I mean, I always feel like this in my life, but it's always, you know, Sonny and I like experiencing this stuff together, but now this whole company, like we get to experience how alive the astrology is. And like, it's like, you know, the other, it's the main organizing principle, obviously, but it's also like the boss. (laughs) So (laughs) we are all like, creating with it and to do everything kind of company-wide based on the astrology and then to like watch how it embodies the business and like manipulates us like (laughs) moves things to and fro as a as an entity has been I mean it's always entertaining I don't know if you think that Eliza and I mean entertaining is one word for when there's like (laughs) goddess forbid a Neptune meltdown as there was one month into my starting (laughs) but no it's true it's like I think there's a metaphor to be created for the astrology being the sea and we're all like the ship's people in the Chani episode (laughs) so (laughs) we're just sort of or um surfing the waves (laughs) yeah yeah but it has I, a soul of its own too. Like you guys have created this third body mm-hmm. and now it's going out in the world and it's having rippling effects. And you just never know when you put something out there, the impact it's going to have. You really don't. You really don't. And it is like, again, Demetra, quote Demetra for the gajillionth time. But I was talking to her recently and she was like, you know, astrology is like, it's kind of like this entity. It just like jumps from one person to the next and like one generation to the next. And it just like possesses the thing that it's in. And then it's like, then it, it finds the best host. It can find. <laughs> like works through it. And then when that is over, you know, it, it'll always survive because it has that kind of current. So I feel like the business is definitely that. And we're, we all work for it. Um. Yeah, well, I think our, our conversation is coming to a close, but maybe before we end, uh, I want to ask one more question around, so talking about astrology and talking about astrology as this beast or entity that is moving through us, like we're all being possessed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what is one misconception of astrology mm-hmm. that maybe people who are newer to it or that's just commonly spread on the internet. What is one misconception that you'd like to banish from, from our consciousness? Mm-hmm. And, or what is one, like one thing you'd like to share? Yeah. I don't know if I'm invested in banishing anything. Like, I don't really, you know, this, I don't care what, I think it's fine. Everyone will have their own opinion. And then, you know, maybe they'll have their own experience. Like, you know, Jung famously was fully against astrology and then started to learn about it. was like, oh, there's something to this. And then of course changed the entire shape of what it was, but that's another podcast. Um, So I believe it has its own intelligence and that it knows what it's doing and that I can kind of just trust that and not worry too much. I do think it's, I mean, I think only certain types of astrology is really like main known in the world. And so I always think it's just wild that people conflate astrologers with, with people that are anti-science when I am like, no, you're like, this is the geekiest, nerdiest crowd you've ever come into contact with if anybody is going to want to know the science of a planet or the universe or nature, it's going to be, you know, us. And that it is such a funny connection, I think. And I'm not saying that there aren't, you know, people that are into astrology and also maybe not that into science, but it is a science. So, and it is, you know, rooted in that instead is all has the same origins. So um, I always find that odd. And I, I, I think I always say this, but when you look at like, when you go to an astrology conference and you listen to people and the amount of history and language and again, science that people, that astrologers are holding is so profound. It's so vast. And 
Um, I think that's really not part of public uh, knowledge or it's not part of our public image. But again, I mean, that's okay. It's okay for it to be a little bit more self-secret in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it is such a compendium. I think of different knowledges, like of, of yeah. story, of myth, of science, of yeah. you know history. planetary orbits, of history, yeah. of language, even just like the when it gets when it's called um, when the when the astrologers become heretics and it gets banished from one culture, then how it gets mm-hmm. preserved in other cultures and other languages. It really, like like Demetra said to you, it really is yeah. like this. Yeah, I'm, I'm making hand gestures. No one can see, but (laughs) (laughs) this, this, this moving eel like body. (laughs) Yeah. Were you going to say something, Castro? No, (laughs) it's so enjoying your hand gestures. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, everybody. (laughs) You'll have to use your imagination. (laughs) Um, Okay, wait, one last question. I mean, <laughs> so you mentioned you mentioned that you really um, identify with, or not identify, you didn't use that word, but you, you mentioned that you really resonated with and appreciate the Anana story. And mm-hmm. I do think that myth and stories and these archetypes can be such profound mirrors or can be just such profound companions and guides and they can add different meaning to our lives at different points in our life. It may not be the same archetype that resonates with us throughout our lives, Mm -hmm. but I'm wondering if there's one story or one uh, character, for lack of a better word, or one archetype that you feel a special connection with, maybe in general or just right now? I mean, I don't feel especially consumed with any one myth right now but then I'll say that and something will happen um but I usually I'm usually like it's either like like a myth or someone else's story like I try to find the next you know thing I'm gonna devour I am actually I think a little bit in between things right now which means something's coming but I'm not quite there so (laughs) I've actually been listening to music instead of books or lessons or anything. So I'm my mind, I feel like these last days of Jupiter and Pisces are like, you're free for a second. And I feel like as soon as it goes into Aries, I'm screwed. And it's just like, I can feel time starting to organize itself into a shape that I will now have to fill out. Um, and I did, I, I did think, you know, I was hoping that Jupiter, this, this last Jupiter and Pisces segment would have been, well, we had a, a quite a lovely Jupiter and Pisces moment with on our staff retreat where we were on the ocean. It was definitely manufactured, but I think we did pretty well embodying the astrology. Um, but it has been much more about just at the beginning of it, I was like really consumed with a lot of different healers and traditions and stories and books. And then these, this last little bit, it's been much more like a shaking loose kind of, or like a making space. So I don't, I don't have anything at this particular moment, but I'm sure, I'm sure the next possession will come. <laughs> But I think that's really important to hear as well, just that sometimes there is just a, a release and a loosening and we don't always have to be absorbing. Like there's right. there's such uh, wisdom, I think, in, yeah, in our more fallow moments or just in our moments where we're not actively trying to consume anything. Yeah, because like I, it's, I think it's wild how like my brain will just open space and then I'll need to like take a course or do a whole series, listen to this whole thing or read five books on this one thing. And then it closes up again. And it's like your organs have to, you know, assimilate the things like your kidney, your spleen gets too like stuck. If you take in too much information, like you, you need to be able to, to digest it. And then I, I'm very, you know, I don't have a ton of fire, but I do need to do something with the info to like put it into the world in some way. And then there'll be, there'll be room for the next thing. 
Well, thank you so much, Chani, for coming on our show and taking the time. It's such Thanks a pleasure for to have you here. Thank it's you. Also thank like you, Eliza you. does like a gajillion jobs and then she has also a podcast, which I'm sure <laughs> the both of you also do that too. But I was like, oh my God, Eliza also has a podcast. <laughs> and God knows what else she's up to. But yeah, and she does readings. And I know. Right. And she's an amazing friend. <laughs> yeah. All things. We're we're huge fans of Eliza over here too. So <laughs> thanks for inviting me into your other world. It's our it's our pleasure. So where can people find you, Chani? And how can they download the app? <laughs> you can go to the app store and type in C-H-A-N-I and find the Chani app and my website. Our website is ChaniNicholas.com, C-H-A-N-I-N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S. And we also are the podcast that I do for the weekly astrology is now streaming on all the services as well. And then all the Instagram, Twitter, TikTok situations, the same, just my name. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being here. And yeah. Jasmine. Yeah, do the thing. (laughs) And we'd like to thank everyone for being here and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.